Good morning, Fullerton. Here are your headlines for the week of February 28, 2022. Number 1. County and volunteers conduct point-in-time count of the unhoused. The 2022 point-in-time count took place February 21 to 24. The point-in-time is a biennial count and survey of people experiencing homelessness on a given night. It provides vital information that helps the County of Orange and the Orange County Continuum of Care better understand homelessness in the community and guides the response to homelessness. Trained teams of volunteers were sent to pre-designated locations to survey people experiencing homelessness. The data will be shared in the coming months on www.everyonecountsoc.org. All the links mentioned in the headlines can be found in the show notes. Number 2. Shade trees removed from Valencia Park without public notification. Three large Chinese elm trees in Valencia Park were removed by the city due to decay at the base and concern over public safety. The trees are around 70 years old. No outreach was made to the community regarding the tree removals. According to Public Works Superintendent Dan Diaz, new trees will be planted. The loss of the trees will remove all shade in the picnic area of the park. Parks and Recs Commissioner Jensen Hallstrom said he believes there should have been more community outreach when deciding to remove such historic and important shade trees. Number 3. Fullerton Museum Showcases Work of Mexican Printer Jose Guadalupe Posada The Fulton Museum Center has just released a new exhibit on February 19 that follows the legendary printmaker of Mexico, Jose Guadalupe Posada. The exhibit showcases much of Posada's work such as his broadsheets, what he's most known for, game boards, chapbooks, and printing plates. Posada is credited with popularizing the animated skeleton, calavera imagery that we see in Mexican culture today. The exhibit also features artists and groups who were inspired by Posada such as Lalo Alvarez, Gina Davidson, Cali Art Collective, and Self-Help Graphics. Number 4. Redistricting Advisory Commission Recommends Maps at the third and final meeting of the RAC on February 23rd, 16 people provided comments during the public hearing on the draft maps presented to the RAC for consideration. The RAC nearly unanimously recommended maps 111, 112, and 114 for the City Council to consider at public hearings scheduled for March 8th and 29th. Commissioner Seminara maintained that the RAC should recommend only one map to the Council. The City Council will conduct further public hearings on March 8th and 29th at 6.30pm to select the final City Council district map that will be used to elect Council members by district for the next 10 years. You can learn more about this process at www.cityoffullerton.com. This link will be available in our show notes. You can also email districtelections at cityoffullerton.com for any questions or concerns. Number 5. Council allocates remaining federal relief funds. City Council approved a spending plan for the remaining $16.5 million of the American Rescue Plan Act, ARPA, federal relief funding. Approved projects include a portable generator for the Fulton Community Center, security fencing and the Independence Park Sim Complex, a utility subsidy program, reinstatement of some library staffing for passport services, netting at Amridge Park, water main replacements, and street repair which was the largest expenditure at $13.1 million. Next, we have an interview with Dr. Michelle Gottlieb. She graduated from Arizona State University in 1988 with her Master's of Counseling. Dr. Gottlieb got her doctorate in 2004 and has been doing therapy for over 30 years. She's located in Fullerton since 1991 and teaches graduate students how to do therapy at Cal State Fullerton's Counseling Department. Dr. Gottlieb specializes in chronic pain, chronic illness, and complex trauma. She is an EMDR trainer and owns a training company along with her partner. Welcome to the show. Thank you. So 
My first question for you is, what kind of mental health effects have you noticed that people are struggling with the most due to the pandemic? Well, I think you really need to break it down into different categories. Um, adults versus children. Our kids have had a really hard time. Our kids have had, and our, the school te- schools and school teachers are seeing this. Everything from literally, they don't know how to socialize anymore. Yeah. Um, I had a, a colleague of mine who specializes working with kids just said to me the other day, you actually cannot tell the difference between an autistic child and a non-autistic child right now because they have the same behaviors because they haven't been socialized. For two years, these kids haven't been around anybody. Mm-hmm. So there's that deficit. Right. Um, when you're talking about adults, a lot of them haven't also had a lot of connections. Mm-hmm. And so they're feeling very isolated. We're seeing depression go way up. We're seeing anxiety go way up. We're seeing addictions go way up. But here to me is the most terrifying thing of all. Anyone who lives in an abusive situation, whether that's a child or an adult living with an abuse, uh, abusive partner, they have been trapped in their home with that abuser for two years. That's terrifying to me. I've always said that my job is to put myself out of a job, you know, hopefully people won't need me anymore. After this, I'm never going out of work. That's actually um, terrifying to hear. Mm -hmm. I agree. Um, To get a bit more specific within the pandemic, how do you think the isolation, the uncertainties, divisions over vaccines, mask mandates, all of that stuff has affected people's ability to communicate with each other? Well, you've got several things in there. Um, and again, to break it down, there, of course, there's unfortunately, there's a political part of that, right. which I think is um, beyond sad because this shouldn't be political. Um, it should be really very straightforward about what is the best thing. But unfortunately, that's not what happened. That's not how the information came out. So it created a real divide within the country. Um, and of course, everyone thinks they're, they're in the right. Mm-hmm. And when we think we're in the right, well, let me go back up a little bit more. Um, people in this country, and I can only speak to this country, I'm, other countries do things differently. Mm-hmm. Um, we have been, first we were taught to be politically correct and we were taught not to be politically correct. But we were never necessarily taught how to really critically think and to be able to take a situation and to break it down, make uh, do our research, do our good research, do our due diligence of it and make some good decisions. That's not how we're taught. And our children right now are basically taught to a test. I just need, as a teacher, I need to get good test scores, right? I need to make sure that my kids hit certain numbers, certain marks. That's not about teaching children how to think. So this, has been, this didn't start just in the last two years. This is the result of decades of how we've been teaching, what our kids have been exposed to, what as a society we have decided is acceptable and not acceptable, to the point now where we really need to be able to have some really good dialogue. Mm-hmm. And we're at the point, they don't, people don't even know how to do that. And either we're afraid of hurting someone's feelings or we don't care, we can say anything we want. Neither one of those are really healthy communication. And to be able to say in an effective, assertive, non-hurtful, harmful manner, Mm -hmm. this is what's going on for me. These are my concerns. How can we work together to make this work for both of us? This is not a skill set that many people have anymore. That is is actually very true. And I think 
just generally we've noticed that a lot more too, right? Just people's ability to communicate decreasing over time. And I will say a big piece of that, Mm -hmm. and actually, again, I teach grad school at Cal State Fullerton. We see this actually in our graduate students, and these are Mm -hmm. counseling graduate students, right? So these are people who theoretically have higher emotional intelligence than the average person. But because we all spend so much time looking at a screen, whether it's a phone or whatever, we literally do not communicate well anymore. Mm -hmm. And I will tell you a story that is so painful for me is I w- happened to be at an urgent care taking a family member to urgent care, and there was a young family there with the baby still in, like, the car seat. Mm-hmm. And the baby, their mom and dad are both on their phones poking away at it. And the baby is kind of fussy because the baby was sick, mm-hmm. and no one's paying any attention to this child. So I started talking to the baby and flirting with the baby and talking, you know, doing all the things that an engaged adult should do. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden the parents kind of look up like, what's going on with our kid? They look at me and they kind of give me a look, but they go back to their phones. Wow. We know as mental health professionals that one of the most important things to raising a, a, a healthy child right. is healthy attachment, mm-hmm. which means uh, when a baby reaches out to mom and dad, mom and dad reach back. Mm-hmm. Mom and dad mirror that child of what they're doing. Everything that child does is wonderful and fantastic. That creates healthy attachment. Well, if mom and dad are so involved in, you know, the Twitter feed, mm-hmm. that child is on their own, and they do not get secure attachment, and then they don't create secure relationships, and they can't be secure parents, and you can just see how it just tumbles. It's awful. Right, and it's a domino effect, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so my next question is, why should we consider therapy to deal with the trauma we have accumulated over the past two years? Hmm. Well... We were talking just a minute ago and said everyone should be in therapy. But right. <laughs> um, if you're in a situation where you have supportive, loving people around you that you can talk through things and in, in a way that you can be vulnerable but supported, right. then you may not need therapy. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, that's not always everyone's experience. Yeah. And the other thing that you know, as a therapist, what, one of the things that I can give to my clients, and I say this often, as lovingly as I can, I don't care the choices they might they make. If they're talking to their parent or their partner, there is an agenda. I'm only okay with you if you do X, mm-hmm. right? But if you're talking to me as a clinician, I'm going to help you explore X, Y, Z, G, whatever, until you figure out the best choice for you, mm-hmm. all right? I can... Um, help you look at the different options, help you understand where you're stuck. I have lots of skills to help you get through being stuck. Mm -hmm. And um, as we we briefly mentioned, EMDR therapy, if there's a trauma involved, which these last two years have been a trauma for everybody, I can really help you process through it quickly. You're definitely correct on that aspect that everybody does need therapy Mm because, you know, all these other relationships in our lives, there's an expectation from us, mm-hmm. whereas in therapy, that expectation doesn't really exist. Mm-hmm. Um, so speaking on the topic of the relationships around us, how can we communicate our needs better to you know, our family members, our friends, our partners, our coworkers? How do we communicate better with them? Well, you start out with the word I, okay. not you. <laughs> you know, finger pointed, you, you, you doing something wrong. That doesn't work, because that's gonna shut down communication. Yeah. But start with I feel. I feel sad, I feel scared, I feel angry. Mm -hmm. 
right? So I'm already owning from the very beginning what's going on inside of me mm-hmm. and not hopefully blaming you. Mm-hmm. So if we can start with that, I feel. Okay. That's the beginning. I used the word vulnerable before. In order to have healthy communication, we have to be vulnerable. If I'm always together and I always know everything, how do we get anything resolved? But instead, if I say, I feel scared right now, I'm not sure how to reach out to you, I'm not sure how to connect with you, that changes things, doesn't it? Right. Well, then can I also be vulnerable and say, I feel very nervous right now (laughs) recording this? (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So we are going towards our last question. Um, Building off of healthy communications, what are some healthy ways to deal with the uncertainties of our life? Hmm. Just to give context, especially for what I'm about to say, um, we are recording this when the invasion of Ukraine has, in the first 48 hours. Exactly. Okay. Mm-hmm. So I want you to know that that's definitely in my mind with what I'm about to say. Mm-hmm. There are oftentimes things happen that we are completely powerless over, like a pande- pandemic, pandemic mm-hmm. like an invasion, like our parents drinking, like our kids not getting good grades in schools. There's many things that we have no power over. You know, I say on a good day, on a good day, I have power over maybe 50% of my life, over me. I I can't even control what my cells are doing, right? Mm -hmm. I can only hold my breath for so long. I don't even have complete control over my own body, right? Mm -hmm. So on a good day, 50% of my life I have control over. Mm -hmm. What helps us Well, I think there's two things. One, if you have a spiritual life, I think that can be very helpful. Mm -hmm. And I don't mean that it has to be in a church or a mosque or a synagogue. Mm -hmm. It can be just being in nature. Connecting with the greater power, whatever that means for you. Okay, Sitting underneath a tree is very spiritual. Mm -hmm. So having that, I think, can really help us get through a lot. But the other piece is doing something. I may not be able to do anything about the invasion in Ukraine right now, mm-hmm. but I can do something like give blood to the Red Cross has more blood. Mm-hmm. I can start raising money for the refugees that are going to be happening. Mm-hmm. I can do things within my community to be ready for the refugees, right? Mm-hmm. For the pandemic, I can't change the pandemic, mm-hmm. but I can wear a mask. But I can make sure people around me are wearing masks. I can discuss the most, the healthiest way to keep us healthy, right? That we know of at the moment, science changes. Um, So these are all things that we can do, take action. Um, I often talk, I work a lot with um, adult survivors of childhood sexual abuse. Mm -hmm. And they're like, well, what action can I take now? I can't, you know, my, my perpetrator's dead. Get involved, whether it's a community of uh, adult survivors doing something to do some parent training so we can stop this, Mm -hmm. or even get involved on a a, a bigger level. If there is a bill going through the legislature, get involved with that, Mm -hmm. right? There are so many things we can do on many levels. Get involved, do something. And that that feeling, it helps reduce the sense of powerlessness. Because our actions, you know, they have consequences and they can have good rewards as well. Right? Right. Absolutely. So that was my last question. I really appreciate all of your fantastic answers. 
um, I think this has been very uh, insightful interview for me personally, and I hope the listeners enjoy it as well. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me to be part of this. I appreciate it. Yeah, thank you for agreeing. So that will be the end of today's interview. Thank you, everyone, for listening. All right, that is the end of today's podcast. Fullertonians, thank you for listening. Be sure to follow the Fulton Observer on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter to keep up with the latest Fulton news. Full-length stories of all our headlines are available on the Fulton Observer website or you can subscribe to the print edition that gets mailed to your home every two weeks. The journalists behind our headline stories are Jane Rance, Jesse Latour, Satya Kennedy, and Adrian Mesa. Special thanks to Dr. Michelle Gottlieb for the interview and Jerry Green for the equipment. Adrian Mehta is our editor, and I'm Arush Navid, your host.